Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on kids now gather round Grab a log and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo Oh my god I'm so excited about today uh, one, we're in your alma mater. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my heart was pumping as I yeah. drove up here. Yeah. Today we are recording from the world famous oh belly up music venue. I haven't been back here in over four years. It's very exciting. Yes. Uh, some of the greatest acts of all time have come through this mm-hmm. venue and we are so lucky because of you, Meryl. Aww. So lucky to be able to record here today with our special guest. Oh my gosh, we have a good one. We have the Director of Artist and Entertainment Relations at Taylor Guitars. He sounds so fancy. My Taylor, friend, Taylor Tim. Taylor Guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim, Tim Godwin. Tim. Yep, Tim Godwin. I feel like you guys are going to hit it off and not just because you both are lacking upper hair <laughs> on your heads. Tim is so cool and wonderful and I don't know if we'll talk about this in the interview or not, but something that is so special about him is he doesn't have, he has a cool job, but not an easy job because basically mm-hmm. his job is working with musicians and artists and, you know, working with them on behalf of Taylor Guitars. And also he's almost like a a rock star wrangler, if what I would call him. And yeah. it's hard to get rock stars and musicians to do anything, let alone yeah. like sign this or post this or do this. So I think the thing that got me excited about having this conversation with him was you telling me that he was also in a band during the eighties and that he had been signed by EMI, Uh which is like a huge record company. And that now he works for Taylor guitars, which is a huge guitar company. Mm -hmm. You know, it's up there with Fender or uh, what are some other Gibson Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, These companies, these big companies and Taylor is right up there and they're doing a really cool thing as well. So I'm very excited to talk to uh, Tim. Yeah. So let's get into the sleeping bag. It's a guitar shaped sleeping bag. Oh, it is? Yeah. Can you bring your ukulele? No. Ukulele? Oh God, guys with ukuleles, no. Oh God. It's a hard pass. That's a bug bite and a half. Let's get in there with Tim Godwin. I hung out with Tim. We were, do you remember we were eating pizza together? Yep. And we had like the nicest, fun conversation that hopefully we can repeat it all today for the people. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to have you tell me everything that you told me. I remember 
Exactly what we talked about. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> like it was yesterday. <laughs> but it was in, was it like North Park or something? Yes. It, yes. it was yeah. at a pizza place called Urban. Yes. Yeah. And it was really Wait, good Wait, why pizza. were you guys meeting? Because we're friends. Yeah. That's why? There was, yeah. there was a shady business going no, on? No. You know what? I really appreciate that you were one of the people that like, I felt like we developed a friendship when I worked at the Belly Up, like a true friendship. And then I mm. felt like when, and these are how I feel like you know how people are your friends, is that when I didn't work there any longer and it was before I was back on the radio, it was like we still met up and continued our friendship. Like mm-hmm. I, I had nothing, you had nothing to gain from me or like I wasn't Meryl from this or that. So it was like, you're Meryl friend. my friend. I know. That's so that's sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Do you feel like you get, not used, but do you feel like a lot of people like associate you of like, this is Tim with Taylor Guitars? Yeah. Does that bother Tim you? Tim with Taylor? No, it doesn't. I don't know if it really bothers me. Yeah, it's just because that's, but how, that's who I am at at you know to to certain people because yeah. that's what that's how I'm introduced to them. You know, do you feel like because because it must be the kind of thing where uh, people meet you and they want something from you though, like don't you think? Because I feel like when she told me that we were going to talk to you and you were with this Ugh. Taylor guitars, like oh I know Taylor guitars, oh that's amazing, that's awesome. Like and I went and looked at the website, I'm like look at all these amazing things. I was like he must get just bombarded by musician people who are like hey can you hook up my you know uh, new guitar or can, hey my daughter wants to play guitar can you help me out you must get the sh- a lot of that shit don't you yes and no you know it's okay. i mean you're you're right i mean there is a lot of like i think if we were having this conversation back in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. when that was kind of a, more of a thing you mm-hmm. know it's like dude I need a guitar. Can you? Because you'd have guys like just all they would do is just walk to like, especially at Nam, they'd walk to different guitar booths and go like, whoever will give me a guitar, that's the guitar I will play. <laughs> really? Yeah. Now, what is Nam? Oh, oh, oh yeah, I want to cry. Is, that's because I'm, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners don't know what it is. Right. Nam is National Association of Musical Merchants. Mm-hmm. Oh, double M. It's yeah. so fun for anyone that has any passion at all about music. It's like the display of music manufacturers, and they've really bumped it up. Like a few years ago, I just I saw Melissa Etheridge play there, and I feel like and you guys have Taylor has like the best setup of so artists like coming a, to play, like and, a convention center where yeah. people go through and they have booths saying like, "Hey, this is what we make. Check out our new stuff." We have a new mixing board, we have new guitars, whatever. Anything you need in the industry of music, we're here to sell it to you. Do you need a tie that looks like like a piano keys? (laughs) They have that? They have that. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Do you have that? I don't. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Is it like dueling with the other? Is there a certain competition (laughs) now with the other? Ties? No, (laughs) with the other guitar companies. Because I feel like... You know, we won't name them, but other companies also were like, you know, they have people in different wings of it and everyone kind of talks about it. It's like the the Comic-Con of musical instruments where it's, it's, you know, it's a friendly competition, you know, it's friendly competition Mm because I think we're, it's a very small industry Mm -hmm. in that everybody kind of knows everybody and everyone has probably worked at different positions at different companies and, you know, it's kind of like any niche business because it's like not everybody plays music. So yeah. it is kind of niche in that in that respect, but it's a it's a it's like each year you go to it's like a high school reunion. Yeah, is what it's like. You you get to see your friends you haven't seen all year, and yeah. you know, and, and, and a, Chad Chad got fat, and then Sarah has like four kids. Oh, just yeah. like a high school reunion. <laughs> just a high school reunion, exactly. <laughs> I hated Chad. <laughs> That's right. The same year as Melissa Etheridge, we were we were for real by the keyboards, probably next to the guy selling the piano tie, and my boyfriend nudged me and. He was like, is that 
and I look over and it is freaking Stevie Wonder playing, like trying out the different keyboards. And for real him, not a not a pretend uh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and soon enough, I think we recognized him like 30 seconds before. Did, did you see him that year? No, he's there every year. Oh my playing gosh. Keyboards. I couldn't even believe it. And it was like It's kind of annoying. No. <laughs> no. It's like Stevie, please. Are you kidding? I almost no. fainted we to the get floor. It, Stevie. We get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the fact that your boyfriend looked over at a guy who was clearly a black man in his <laughs> late 50s probably 60s who is also blind, blind. playing a piano and goes is that <laughs> you never no, know there's though. only one i think there's yeah. really, really just there one. is and i really almost fell to the floor he <laughs> didn't want to see it but no but you're absolutely right i mean that's he's he's there playing and he draws a crowd and that's what's fun at name you see these all these all, all these type of musicians coming and playing but the funniest yeah. the funniest one is there's a tribute band, a U2 tribute band, and there's a guy that looks like Bono. He looks like Bono. And there was a room, and this guy showed up. Yeah. And he's walking through the halls, and people are going like, oh, my God. Bono, Bono is at NAM, And I'm going oh. like, dude, Bono is not at NAM. <laughs> no. Bono. <laughs> he's not flying into Anaheim and staying not, there. Because <laughs> a guy had a keyboard tie. You know? <laughs> so, that's a dead giveaway. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're a, a musician. You started at Musicians Institute, right? Or that's where you studied? I mean, I went there when, you know, 20, I moved out from Colorado and moved to Hollywood and did that for a year and started to try to go like, okay, I want to be a music, you know, I want to be a guitar player. But then so, you've been, you've toured with like big bands like Air Supply, right? So I was, so I moved to LA and, and got an audition with Air Supply and it wow. was, it was like eight mid eighties and, uh, got the gig and was like, Hey, this is my first, you know, it was, what was nice about it was legit to tell my family, like, cause they're like going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are, like you're like, about to play with Air Supply. You're like, what are you, what, cause they can't compute. You, if you tell your family you're a musician yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, so when do you go into work? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that whole thing. And so this kind of made it like, oh, okay, so maybe this is a real thing, you know? And I mean, air supply, that's a big deal in the eighties for sure. Yeah. So My goodness. it was, it was a thrill. It was, I learned a lot, you know, you know, was it, you know, was it like, did I listen to them? No, <laughs> but I did when I got the gig. Yeah, I bet you did. I, be, yeah. <laughs> I, I could imagine at that time they were what, like headlining sheds or was it? Yeah, we would do the shed. We did Universal Amphitheater two nights in a row. We oh do the big gosh. sheds back east. And then, you know, we're, we're, I was kind of like just at their peak where they were like playing that. And then um, I was with them for a couple of years and they were really fun guys to work with. I mean, yeah. it was really, they loved they love playing loud and taking chances on songs and just, you know, you could be a, a real musician in that band. I have a question about Air Supply because, I mean, I think a lot of people hear stories about metal bands like Motley Crue and, and all these things in the 80s, right. right? Bon Jovi, the behind the scenes. What is that like for Air Supply? Because, I mean, you've seen it. Right. Is there any wild shit you saw in the backstages of Air Supply, in the tour buses of Air Supply? There's, yeah. <laughs> That's my, you're starting to smile. <laughs> no. The smile, the yeah, size what? of your smile right no, now. Is, no, it's, what, I'm, uh, what I'm thinking of is just, it's kind of a laughing about is that one of the, one of our guys that was our valet and security guy went on to work with Guns N' Roses. Mm. And, oh. and so the story was that, and it was pretty funny, is that 
Guns and they, he would tell the guys in Guns and Roses, said, you know, there's a lot of girls at Guns and Roses, but there were more at air supply yeah. shows. <laughs> I can imagine. So it was. Um, but what was funny is you'd 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 look out into the audience and you would see women from like teens to like their fifty, you know, it, yeah. wide range. And the funniest part was that you would see, you could tell the guys that didn't want to be there because <laughs> they were their wives or their girlfriends. Drag them out to an air supply concert, really? and they would sit there like kind of cross-armed, just looking at you because they're, you're looking to their their girlfriend, their wife, or you know, going crazy and going singing nuts. a ballad into their face. Yeah. yeah, and they're going like, I can't wait to get out of here. What kind of what do you think? Like that guy, what kind of music would he like? Is he more of like a Guns and Roses? Oh, okay. So yeah, at that probably. time, that would be the the or opposite end of the wheel. Something. I mean, they were they weren't listening to air supply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So do you think that your background in music helps you now with like, you know, just relating? I mean, your job is for real relating to artists. So do you think that that like is makes it way more easy for you? Yeah, I'm absolutely. I mean, I want to know how hard it is. It's not an easy life. Right. It's in all the things you have to go through and you, you've got to be a self motivator. You got to wake up in the morning and go like, OK, what what am I doing today? Or I got to. No one's calling you to, you got to make everything happen. Yeah. Sure. You know, um, and I've seen it from all, you know, all sides from working clubs, you know, spending, you know, hours and hours playing in clubs and then doing something like that. And then later on, I had my own band on a small label and toured in an RV, you know, sleeping in truck stop parking lots. I so think that's sexy. Kind of. <laughs> Kind of, that was weird. It was, there was, some, you would see some interesting things. I tell, tell us yeah. one. Tell well, us I want to hear something about, yeah. What's yeah. the weirdest thing you saw in a truck stop on your tour <laughs> with your band? What was the name of your band? Farmer. Farmer. We were on Aware Records out of Chicago. And, um, why Farmer? You know, we had had some, my friend Marshall Altman's, he's a producer in Nashville right now and great songwriter producer. And he's, we had like Martial Law, we had Redhead, we had like, <laughs> couple other names and we finally settled on farmer farmer i because you know reap so whatever was our tagline oh my gosh that's hilarious I and love that. and and we would and then one of the the other guitar player worked at geffen in the mail room the other guy worked at and then marshall would work at capital listening to demos so we would make these flyers and the guy john over at would go to geffen and at the end of the day he would sneak in there make the flyers from the copy machine and then send out the mail because we had mailers would use Geffen postage oh my gosh. to send out the, the flyers for our gigs. Wow. So it looks like it was coming from an official label. Right. Or at least we just didn't have to pay for postage. That's amazing. I miss and, like record label days. Yeah. That's what the, and that's what it was. It was just, and we would play the Troubadour a lot and we played hmm. whiskey and Roxy kind of did that whole whole thing but so tr truck stops yeah so we were asking yeah, what's the stops. weirdest craziest thing you saw or encountered so on that we did like three or four tours like in the truck so there was one where we ended up at a you ended up at like really bad motels like really bad so um <laughs> we ended up at one that was kind of a trucker motel because it was on the outside of town it was mm. cheap yeah and we could park the rv and like Maybe a couple of us would get her, stay in the room and a couple would stay in the oh my gosh. RV. And there was one hotel, there were just like truck stop hookers outside the window, <laughs> just, you know, you know, 
looking for work, you know, and, and truckers coming in and out and going, oh, this is, this is too, take me home, get me out of here, please. <laughs> this is too bizarre. And, but the other, during that one night, one of the guys, the drummer was snored a uh. lot. I mean, just <laughs> so loud and there, you can't escape Oh my it. God. I love this story yeah. because like, what's the craziest thing you saw <laughs> in any truck stop on your tours in a rock band? You're like... Well, the drummer <laughs> snored a lot. His sleep, right. his sleep apnea <laughs> yeah. would disrupt the hookers. But at the time, <laughs> when you're trying to get to sleep. Yeah, I can imagine. But that's all that mattered. That was a weird, you know, it was. Oh, I um, love it. Um, so I, I, I got up and I, I, I took a, because I figured I couldn't nudge him because he was in the other bed. So I took a, a hand towel and a washcloth <laughs> and con- and tied him together with dental floss. <laughs> and I would take it and I would wing it at him whenever he would start snoring, <laughs> snoring, but I had the floss, I could pull it back. Oh my god! Because I would need to repeat the toss. <laughs> That's like the sweetest, like most. You're the nicest person yeah. on the planet. There's oh like my hookers goodness. and drugs everywhere, yeah, and you're yeah. just like, take this wet wash <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I was too late, I didn't want to get out, I, I, you know, I didn't want to get out of bed and like shake him up, you know, because yeah. like, I was, we're going, and finally he got out and went into the RV mm-hmm. and pissed him off. He didn't talk to me for a while. Really? Well, a couple days. He was pissed. Wow. Who of your like music peers of that era have really done well? Like you know, because I know that you've been around that kind of genre too. Like who who's still around and kind of kicking today? Um. Well, when we did, especially the farmer tour, we played with Vertical Horizon. Oh my mm. God, I love them. So Matt was still a friend to this day. You know, we we would tour together and do these like there would be like five bands on a stage we'd play college town small little we'd play mm. clubs like belly up and mm-hmm. different different play, mainly from the midwest to the east mm-hmm. and um back then they were kind of an acoustic with two guys up front it was mm-hmm. matt and keith uh, and keith i think was the other singer songwriter and then i remember when they got the big deal because we're all on the compilation aware had a lot of compilation so we um I remember he got the big record deal and it was like, oh, Matt shaved his head. He's in the middle. Oh, it was like a girl group almost where they like positioned him different. You know how Beyonce goes to the front? Yes. Yes. He went to the front. Mm. Interesting. And I I was like, I wonder how that dinner went. Yeah. To be like, oh, I mean, that's what always Gwen Stefani always talks about how like she would have to fight to have the guys in the photo and have everyone be a group instead of just like featuring her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know that there's, okay, there's a band that's all here and then you got the, the label and the marketing go like, we really want you to be. That's gotta be so hard with so many personalities and feelings involved. Yeah. It's all about just, well, this is what's going to make you money. Yeah. So get out of the way. It's just you whatever his name is from oh my god matchbox 20 oh or, my god or, or, rob thomas are you yeah. kidding yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, that's <laughs> right they, they put him kind of front yeah of too actually it started a band with his name huh? yeah i yeah. can't even i mean you know i won't go too much into this because our audience doesn't want to hear it but live is my favorite band of all time i think we've talked about this before oh, yeah, and yeah and when they they really broke up because i feel like for a while it, 
you know, it's probably getting in Ed's ear of like, you're mm. the main one that gets right. this. You should be getting paid more. And then it broke them up for a while. And then when they got back together, it was like a dream come true. But I think a lot of times people, I mean, <laughs> for, for mine, yeah, for <laughs> me and at least 12 other people, but, but I think they, a lot of times bands, you know, the label or the industry yeah. will just kind of grind a band that w- sure. normally would be cohesive because. Well, I wonder how those other girls feel in, you know, Destiny's Child. <laughs> I know. You know what yeah, I mean? Like probably. Beyonce, of course you can go on and, and you have your own thing. Like one of my favorite bands is My Morning Jacket. And mm-hmm. Jim James does stuff on his own. Right. But they do come back together. I think that's the healthiest way to do it. I mean, he can still be his own dude and do projects that aren't necessarily in line with that, but like come back. I mean, who knows? It, I'm sure it takes a lot from the band to be supportive of this situation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But... I don't know. It, it seems weird. It, I think that'd be a lot of pressure to put on somebody to be like, okay, you're going to be the face of this entire band now. Right? Oh, it would be. It broke. Yeah. I mean, I, I know with air, air supply way before I was, it, they were a band. Yeah. You know, and then the label went, uh, it's just you two. Yeah. I was going to say it's just two guys. Right. But it started off as, hmm. but I think all things like, you know, it's, Everything starts off with the, the best intentions and mm-hmm. in, in, in the sure. purest place, right? Hey, right. we're putting a band together and this and that, and then it, then money gets involved. That's oh, what happens. That, yeah. What if they tried to make you the face of Air Supply? Like uh, right now. Right now. Yeah. I would like just uh, just wow. your face. <laughs> just my face. <laughs> they would put your face on all their T-shirts, but then it just says Air Supply. It would honestly do really well. I think. <laughs> you know, we should try that. We should. We should make up Air Supply. T-shirt. Oh my with god! My face it would on. sell oh my god. out. We're we're making a T-shirt like this right now. How great would that be? I, we're gonna make his it. face air supply. <laughs> you know what? I I can start a TikTok page. Oh my god! You want TikTok with with, the with uh what if, what Tim, if? Tim the original air supply the face of air supply, <laughs> and I'll just do acoustic <laughs> air supply numbers. What if we put him on oxygen and then it's truly like air <laughs> oh supply? Oh my god! Right. <laughs> It's oh, like he, would... he just busted his Achilles air supply. <laughs> I feel like the 17 year olds would like it because what I see on TikTok is they're super mean to like people, my people in their thirties, they're so mean to, but then yeah. it's like 40 and up. They're like so feel... kind to, they're like, Oh my he's... gosh, yes. Oh look, he's so cute. Yeah. Look, he's bald and he's old and <laughs> he's doing love songs. <laughs> I was going to say you're neither, but no, you are bald. Right. You're, you're not old. <laughs> so then, okay. So then tell us how you got to your position now at Taylor. So Taylor was started in 1974 by Bob Taylor. Bob and his partner, Kurt, they, they started in uh, Lemon Grove, I believe. Yeah, Lemon Grove, East County, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Started. They, they, they ended up, with their own money, bought the American Dream uh, uh, music store, and they started building guitars out of there. Mm. And Bob realized he, he can build... Kurt realized, okay, I kind of build, but I really want to sell and market. So Bob would build these guitars, and Kurt would get in his car and drive across America trying to sell these guitars. That's and, awesome. And that's how it started. And they built it up. They, you know, they owned it. They never took any, you know, venture capital money, mm. you know, private equity money, and nothing. They they were able to build it slowly over time and build it into this great business. And they build, you know, their their whole thing was how do we build be consistent in building a quality guitar mm-hmm. because handmade guitars are great. But you know, the, the thing is like one day you have too much coffee and you're a little heavy <laughs> on the sander, you know, or next day right. you're not. And each guitar is going to be a little different, which is great. But Bob was like, how do we make, we want to make a great guitar consistent. That was his, what yeah. he brought to the, the, or really to the, to the industry. And, <laughs> and he, 
He's very open with that community is really kind of getting back to mm-hmm. Nam is like that community is really close where all the builders, they're all friends. Mm-hmm. They all share ideas and they want to make it, you know, it's a very kumbaya moment because it's like if more people play guitar, it's good for everybody. Sure. And I love hearing about the like sustainability that Taylor does. You've told me about that before with like specifically picking trees in a certain area. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a big thing for Bob to go. He, we, we sourced Ebony from Cameroon, Africa, and he went over there years and years ago and realized like, wait, they're, I'm condensing the story, by the way. Sure. For, for the audience. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can get pretty long. <laughs> We've got time. But um, basically he went over there and went, we can, they were like 80% of the trees were left to rot because everyone wanted the pure black ebony for their instruments, right? Because, mm. but not all ebony is pure black. A lot of it has this caramel marking and mm. beautiful marking in it. And if it had it, and the only way you could find out is cut it down and go like, mm. oh, this one's not pure black, leave it. Oh. He went in there and go, we need to use all the wood. And then went in there and bought, there was a milling factory in there and he went with a partner and they bought it with his own money Go, let's, let's really use all, let's do this smart. And we also want to keep replanting ebony and, and work with the, you know, oh, the community. Yeah. You know, they also, and, uh, uh, they, they also want to, uh, they've been able to like take some of the fresh water and pipe it down into the village. So they're, they're really giving back to the, hmm. and, and use again, using all the, all, all the, all the ebony. And then from there, we're looking at, both Bob and Andy, the new master builder who started 10 years ago, really revamping the whole uh, sound and look of, of Taylor guitars. They went up to LA. There's a place called West Coast Arborist that um, they they basically have the contract to plant and tear down all the trees through all the municipalities through California. Wow. Because you think, think about it, a tree, sometimes trees have to come down. Mm-hmm. Yeah because they're uprooting or they're whatever, and they have the contract to do that. They went up there, and they have a lumber yard, and they went and thought, well, how cool would it be if we found lumber or wood that we could make into instruments? Mm-hmm. And they found this shamel ash that was growing all through L.A., and so we, they, they found out it made a great-sounding guitar, really? like an old mahogany-sounding guitar. So bought a bunch of shamel ash, and we came out with a series called the Urban Ash Cool. Guitar made from wood, right in from LA. trees, right in L.A. Wow! Because you look at a, a guitar, and there's wood comes from all over the world on a guitar. You know, this is something I've never even thought about. I'm sorry, I don't know more about guitars, but like that, different woods make different sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most people would just be like, "It's made of wood." Yes, I get mm-hmm. that, but that the type of wood doesn't really matter. But it does. It does. Absolutely. You want to, you just can't make it out of any kind of wood. Yeah. Which is why, you know, you're sourcing these woods from all over the world, tropical areas. And, you know, you've got spruce from the Northwest and maple from the North, you know, that to help for the top and for the back and sides. And so there's a lot of different. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Am I the only one that doesn't know that? No, there's a lot of no, people that don't know that. Yeah. Which is, I guess there's only so much knowledge you can really pump into your brain, right? right. And I, I just, I would love to be able to play the guitar because, I mean, come on, who doesn't so want to get cool. some random yeah. ladies on the side after an <laughs> the, air supply the truck concert? Truck stop hookers, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but like also, like there's only so much I've looked into about a guitar, you know, mm-hmm. and the kind of wood that makes the the type of sound you want is not something I knew. That's all. 
You know what? I mean, it's funny you say that because when I started at Taylor, I had no, I didn't think about that. I'm a guitar player. Yeah. I didn't really, I just knew what I liked. Right. But I didn't know, like when I got to Taylor, I went, oh, I like mahogany back inside guitars. I did not know that. <laughs> it's like a, like a special brew or like a special it coffee. Is. It's it like, is. okay, I'm a dark roast kind of girl. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I, this is my, this is the guitar I like because there are certain <laughs> guitars I like all had mahogany back and sides i didn't i wasn't picked i I want a mahogany guitar i just picked it up because i like the way it sounded so i so i'm learning all the time too huh to me it feels like you have one of those almost famous type of dream jobs of like a young musician or a young music lover because you're a musician yourself but then you're working for a cool company but then you're director of artist relations so like your whole day is pretty much working with musicians and you know still talking the lingo where you're not out of the corporate world so like what's a a typical kind of day you're working with bands musicians managers all those things all of the above and with other companies like label like today i had a call with a label uh in nashville and then i had a call with with an artist who actually tolan shaw who used to oh yeah yeah we podcasted with him here right here yeah so he moved to nashville and he has a new uh, manager that we got on the phone to talk about, like, you know, let's, let's look at this next year. He's got a new record coming out. So let's see how we can partner and help. Cause Taylor, um, it's funny, Bob has, has this great theory and he, he calls it the belly up theory <laughs> because when people are on their way up and playing the belly up, we can talk to them. But yeah. once they hit, you know, Oh my gosh, that's so funny that he Once calls it that. He, he does because he grew up here and we and he loves coming to the belly up. And so we have this our belly his belly up theory that we go like this is when we can talk to people. And then yeah. there's a point where I'm not talking to Bono. Yeah. Yeah. Until well, Bono beca- plays the, the belly up. Until he comes to Nam. Until he comes, that's true. Then <laughs> no, uh, we were just talking about this actually. I mean, because the belly up is like super world famous. Yeah. And, uh, but it does house the kind of people who are just about to cross over or who have crossed over, but still like playing those smaller shows. Mm -hmm. And, uh, after it gets to a certain point, you're like, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not getting that guy. You know, right. I run a comedy show here in San Diego and it's like, once they get to a point where they're on Netflix and they have four specials, they're not coming to my small show. They're like, see you later. Bye. I mean, I'm making, you know, arena prices here. So that's probably got to be the same. It, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, and then my day consists of that. It's then, you know, but it also deals with the, not the fun stuff, like got to deal with finance and your own department. You Whoa, know? That's a boring stuff. We want rock and roll. Yeah. We want rock and roll. <laughs> uh, right. is there anybody that you sort of have, uh, found and then before they were anything and you sort of like push for them to be part of Taylor as a musician? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's artists that we started that, I mean, over the years that I remember meeting before they became yeah, like Keith Urban, oh, nice. uh, Brad Paisley, because um, I, I was uh, good friends with Pete Anderson, who was producer and guitar player for Dwight Yoakam. Mm. And all all the bands, and that was the way I would meet players, mm-hmm. is like, he'd go, hey, you got to come check out this guy. He's, he's from Australia. His name's Keith Urban. Mm. He's opening for us at the Las Vegas Hilton. <laughs> So I went to Vegas, and this was with my last job, but it was before Dwight Yoakam, there's Keith Urban on stage with a, just an, him and an acoustic guitar. And I was blown away. Really? I was like, holy shit, this guy is amazing. Great showman, great guitar playing, great voice, great song. It was like, you just kind of, you kind of get that sense of like, okay, this 
this guy's going to do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then early on I'd met, uh, Sean Mendez. Oh my cause, God. Cause he, was on, Cause he was online, you know, he was like kind of a Justin Bieber yeah. uh-huh. kind of, and we noticed he was playing Taylor and he hadn't really blown up yet, but he was, you know, getting some buzz and this and that. And so we started working with him and then we can't talk to him now because he's <laughs> past the belly. He's up. not, I was just going to say he's not playing the belly up anytime soon. I was going to say there's a coffee shop, uh, Mocha, was it Mocha Joe's? Oh, Joe's Java or Java, oh, Java, Java Joe's. Joe's, Java yeah. Joe's. Oh yeah. Mocha Joe's is from, uh, I think, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, but like uh, Java Joe's down in OB, like Ocean Beach here. Oh yeah. In town. And I was there for um, what would essentially be a Monday night, like uh, open mic. Mm-hmm. And this kid, this scrawny kid comes in. He's got I know. A... We know who you're talking about already. Okay. Yeah. Well, yep. All right. Well, I then know. never mind. No, no, no. The story's over. No, 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 tell it. No one else does. No. So scrawny kid walks in. He's got a baseball cap on, kind of shy. Uh, my friend was actually on the open mic night and she said, Oh, you should, you should stick around for him. If he gets to go up, like he's definitely somebody I think is great. And he's just a local dude living mm-hmm. around there and, uh, goes up and it's soon. I mean, he, as soon as he opened his mouth to sing, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? It was really like just this energy that you could feel that I had never really felt before at that age right. of someone who you're like, this is going to be a star. And it was Jason Mraz. Yeah. And he just like threw down two songs, pulled his baseball cap down and then walked out. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? I was like, I, I followed him immediately back when there wasn't even Facebook or any of that shit. I was like on it, followed his website and his newsletter or something, you know, and, uh, told everyone I knew back in Ohio, like there's this guy he's really great. I mean, He's become very mainstream popular and, yeah. and he's still good, I'm sure. I don't listen to him as much anymore, but at the time I was like, something just happened that was magical. This this person in front of me is going to be something. He is and he's still magical. I yeah. mean, he's in live, he just I mean, he's got such a beautiful voice mm-hmm. and his playing style and his writing everything about him is just it's it's an event to go see Jason Mraz. Now, he's San Diego, so like mm-hmm. you get in there and plug your tailor on him or he, what's going on? He plays on? Taylor. Yeah? Yeah, so come this, on. This is a guy. This is a guy that <laughs> you can talk to. This is this is a guy we can't he's cuz he's a good he's, he's local yeah. and he he I mean he started with he's known Bob Taylor and Andy mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a long time. So there's like a real family yeah. dynamic you know, he still once in a while he was doing like a yearly show here, a little Christmas show. And yeah. he, I don't know what type of like green powder he's on or something, but he would play for three hours straight, no break. And then everyone in the audience would be so tired, like, OK, we need to go to sleep. And it'd be like one more. And then, yeah, it's like those avocados have some yeah. superpower, superpower avocado. Yeah, because he owns that avocado farm. Here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like super vegan yeah. healthy. So who's been different that like who have you met that you're like, oh, either for better or worse, this person has surprised me on how they are. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, for better or for worse, right? Yeah. Someone yeah. Who's... And we understand you're a, a representative of a company, so you probably can't be like, this person <laughs> You can be like, well, I'll tell you who it is. It's that Stevie Wonder. Yeah. yeah. Walks Katie. around bumping into shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Playing at Nam and just won't stop. <laughs> Give it up, Stevie. That's right. We've heard that song. <laughs> can you play some Skinner? Yeah. <laughs> I t- you know the one, this is like a, a personal hero of mine. I got to meet and spend time with on the phone and personally a little bit was James Taylor. Oh. And he was like everything you would want him to be. Ooh, I just got he goosebumps. Was, That's cool. He was, I was not, cause sometimes you, you meet people and you're like, man, I'm kind of, I wish I wouldn't have met them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of like, yeah, 
best not to have met him. And James Taylor was like more above and beyond like just a cool dude. I mean, he was smart, funny, um, way into technology and, and you could sit and we'd sit and talk half an hour, hour just on the nails he was using to make his barn, you know, a special, you know, he would get, he would get way into details on stuff. And, um, he's got one of those talking voices that is just so soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you ever listen to an interview with him, you're like, ah, yes. Good night. Sweet baby James. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we are in the belly up, which is a really popular, famous, has a long standing, I guess, history of great musicians coming through. What, if, is there one concert that stands out to you? I actually wanted to ask yeah. all three of this. Mm. All three of this. Is there one concert that transformed you that was like stands out as like the concert that changed my life even for that moment? Oh my God, I feel like we're at a sleepover. I love this. <laughs> oh man, I mean there's, there's. well I grew up in Denver. Okay. So I, I grew up going to shows at Red Rocks. Oh, that was oh. beautiful. Yeah. So I mean just. Red Rocks Amphitheater is unbelievable. I'm I have never chills seen, just thinking about it. I've never it. seen a show there, but I went there when it was closed just to walk in and see it. Because I was like, I gotta come here. Oh, it's, it's supposed to be the the acoustics are supposed to be amazing, the acoustic, right? It's a ma- so what happens at a let me set the scene for yeah, Red please Rocks set the concert, scene. Oh my it's gosh, so freaking magical! And I was so glad years ago I got to bring my wife to Denver during the summer, and uh, a buddy of mine plays with Cheryl Crow, and they were playing Red Rocks at their final <gasps> tour, and I went, "Honey, we are going to Red Rocks to see Cheryl Crow," and it was like, again, freak. Any show is magical there, so yeah, because it's. Denver, it's going to open spring through summer. In Denver, weather changes a lot. Like, we'd get these big, beautiful, dark clouds roll in the late afternoon and thunder, lightning, and then all of a sudden it will go away or it might stay. But always at a Red Rock show, you're there. You, we'd get, as teenagers, we'd get there early. We'd get there at noon and we would be <laughs> bringing beer and whatever and throwing yeah. frisbees and hanging out and listening to the sound checks. And then you take a little nap and then all of a sudden it's the late afternoon and then it starts, the thunderclouds come in and then it's like, it starts to rain and you go like, oh shit, this is going to suck. And then all of a sudden the clouds part, like, oh. the sun comes out, you know, and, and then the lights, you know, then it gets dark, the lights come on and the show starts. It's like this whole, you get like this whole extra show, this nature show at yeah. Red Rocks. That's what it is. You get this whole extra show. And that, listeners, if you don't know what Red Rocks is, look it up. Just type in and look up what that amphitheater looks like because it is built into the rocks. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think obviously it's not comparable to Red Rocks, but I think what you were describing also, there's an element in that of Coachella too, of, you mm-hmm. know, you have like the desert sky participating when like Arcade Fire is on. And so even though the festival itself has gotten annoying, I think what has made it so magical with Red Rocks too is the the weather and the oh, absolutely. backdrop for sure. Yeah. So was the Cheryl Crow show the one that changed you, or no, was there? Something? I was already changed by oh, then. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you just love that sticks in your but mind. I, but no, but the one, well, the one that changed me was, um, I mean, it was seeing James Taylor. Mm. You know, yeah. You know, live at Red Rocks and and getting to meet the band. You know, after sound check, that always helps. Yeah, going like because they were because they'd come out and hang out and <clears> go and I'd go like that's where I went. This is what I want to do. Mm. This yeah. is I want to play in a ba- I want to play in a band and play live. 
That's awesome. You've like really done that. I feel like so many people have that moment when they're in their teens of like, I want to somehow be involved. And then it just kind of gets away from them. But you are like living your rock star dream now. Especially right now. Oh my what gosh. About, yeah, yeah, this is great what, uh, on the podcast. What about, uh, what about so you, fun. Meryl? Okay, I know exactly what mine is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like way too excited to share it. Okay, so 1994 right. in Allentown, Pennsylvania, because that's where I'm from. I had only been to see two concerts before. One was Sesame Street Live. <laughs> Big Bird was my Live man. Live on well, Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sesame Street Live. And the second one was Paula Abdul, oh. who I still love. Paula's my girl. Oh, She's kooky. I would, yeah, I love Paula. But then I had just gotten MTV, and that's why I saw my first video of live, of the I Alone, oh. I think. And I had begged my parents to, I saw that they were coming through their tour. I think they were playing with Soul Asylum or something. Right. That makes sense. It does, it really does. And so I had asked, I begged my parents to take me to the concert, and they took me, and it was really like the first song, it was like my first you know, rock band that I had saw and I just really felt that kind of magnetism about Ed that everyone talks about with, you know, seeing the front man that you love or whatever. And same thing is that I, it really inspired me to that night I went home and I remember just pouring through their CD notes and looking at, I was, it really sparked an interest in me in the music business itself where I, it then like made me interested in record Mm. labels and music publicists, you know, all these things that I didn't really know what it was before. And one of the coolest things ever was because um, they were produced by Jerry Harrison from the oh, Talking, right. Talking Heads. Like that's Heads. who produced their first album. And uh, later on through the belly up, I met their manager and then got to meet like Jerry for a brief second. So it was like, we were talking about like dreams realized where it's like I would lay on the floor and just memorize these people's names. And then, you know, now in California, I got to meet some of those people. That's so cool. so it's that really was cool. James Taylor moment. That was, the, oh my God. Yeah. Like, and there was one time where like through a weird twist and turns, I got to know Ed and Ed has played here at the belly up. And there was one time um, I was in New York cause I, I dated this tour manager for a little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> really? oh, actually, you know, you you knew Eric because I tried to like get Eric a job with you. But oh, I don't know. Yeah, Robert, I'm glad that didn't work out. So me too. Yeah, me too. He's stupid. But <sighs> but I had Dumb. I had flown to see Ed in in New York because they were playing at some coffee place or whatever, and so. I remember like coming up to the venue and Ed like was like Meryl and gave me a big hug. And I, I was like, if you could have told the 14 year old me that like Ed would know my name and want to hug no, me, I was dying. Sweet. And then, yeah, then we broke up and then life was hard, but it's okay right. now. But you're here to tell the story. You were here to tell the story. But yeah, that, just that feeling of like when it, it, maybe some people don't have a live music changing moment, but mine definitely was like from that show on, I was mm. a changed little Meryl. What about you, Bo? Well, now that you guys are talking to me, both of you guys met the people, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah. now so, now I'm like, so now I'm like, well, I have met people. Um, and I, I will say this, like I, a couple concerts that were really amazing and impactful are one was Kishibashi. Do you know who that oh. is? This, um, Japanese American violinist that plays like pop or rock music too, oh, wow. but it's really great. It sounds kind of cheesy the way you, when I say it like that, it's like, you know, a violinist, but it's rock, oh, yeah. but it's like, it's really <laughs> cool. And I saw that and it was awesome because in the concert, he jumped off stage, came down and like, they played their after show, you know, their little, like the encore, mm-hmm. uh, they brought the whole band in an acoustic way out into the middle of the crowd and had asked everybody to sit down on the floor, which wow. is kind of weird at a concert venue because people have been spilling beer on the floor for the last <laughs> hour, but like still, it was really amazing. Second was Jamie Lydell here at the belly I don't up. I know who that is. Jamie Lydell is amazing. Holy fuck. And uh, again, he jumped off stage and, and there was only 75 people in the show because it was right before he like hit. 
Huh. So it was like, he was dancing with us and he was holding the microphone to each of us to like sing a lyric or something. And he held it to my friend, Jeremy and Jeremy was like rocking out and then he gets the microphone in front of his face and then he doesn't know the lyrics. And so he's just like, <laughs> instead of like, it should have been a ba da da da. It was like a ba da ba And it was like, oh my God, it was so funny. Oh. And Jamie Lydell looked at my friend and was like, okay. And then like yeah. moved on to the next guy. <laughs> that was amazing. But I have to say like, there is one moment that like really was, has transformed me into loving the band forever, you know? And it was back when I was living in Ohio, I had a friend, actually an old employee of mine. And uh, she was like, I really want to go see this band. They're playing in Columbus, which was two and a half hours away. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'll go with you. So we go. And when I pick her up, she's got Rice Krispie treats on a plate wrapped in cellophane right and i was like what the hell she's like oh these are for the band and this is just some no-name band right so we drive to columbus after the show she meets the band she waits and she gives them rice krispie <laughs> treats and, and it's like this big moment and they were an awesome band uh and so i don't really think anything else other than this was a great band and she gave him rice krispie treats right <laughs> years later she calls me and she's like hey you're never gonna believe this she's like I met the tour manager of that band and she invited me to go on a three, three show tour from the bus from New York. Cause she was living in New York city at the time. So she got to tour with that band that she loved so much for three shows. Right. She's like, you got to come see a show soon because like, I'm going to know these guys. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she goes on the tour. <laughs> she ends up kind of falling in love with the lead singer. And then, I mean, at that point I'd already moved. I was coming out to San Diego, but then they are dating now. And I'm like, this is crazy. They came to visit because he happened to be having a show from the rock and roll hall of fame. Now he was doing these private shows and one of them was here at the belly up and it ended up being Jim James of my morning Whoa. jacket. So I was here. At the, chills on yeah, that one. I, I was chill. here at the belly up. I was backstage with Jim James and my friend. I had taken them to the San Diego zoo that, that morning and just walked around with Jim James. He is such an amazing guy, such a wonderful musician. He was, I asked him to do the, the ringtone on my phone at the time. And so he mm -hmm. used this thing called a harpsichord or a omnichord or something. And he played this little tune for my, uh, my, Whoa. my, my phone. And it was like, he's such a cool guy. And so he's, he's invited me to a bunch of shows whenever he's come to town. And I'm just like, I try not to like act like it's a big deal. It's a huge deal to me, but I'm right. always like, Hey, do you want to go see a show friend? You know, like with one of my friends and then we go and like, we're backstage we drinking beers with like all these people. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? You know? And that's pretty, that, that show definitely transformed me. I feel like all three 100%. of us have very random spoilers. That... Other people are like, I like Led Zeppelin. I haven't met Robert Planner. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, everyone. <laughs> we have the most like spoiled stories. Like, I'm sorry I made that story so long. No, I, just, I love that. We I like the idea that, that my friend was like, had laser focus like Meryl. Like I'm going to make Rice Krispie treats with this guy. Yeah, and yeah. then 10 years or five years later, going to be dating him. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I definitely manifested some like, weird shit. Cause yeah. I met, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won't go to that. But yeah, totally. Wow, yeah. that's 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 a really good story. That's that's insane. Yeah, it was pretty wild. But I loved how you I loved how you built it up because we're we're getting sucked in. You're hooking us. You're going like okay, we didn't know what's, who it was. Who's a man? Yeah, who's a man? come on. Well, luckily you didn't say. Well, who's the guy anyway? That's right. <laughs> Obviously, you're still in like the tangible guitar world. But like, what new things can we expect? 
Well, there's Leak some it new for us. things. Look at those oh, yeah, eyes. Let me, yeah. <laughs> let me tell the secrets of Taylor Guitar here on the podcast. No, but just in, in a vague sense, as much as you can give away, like what what's new and what's next? Well, I mean, I th- the biggest thing was um, the Urban Ash, like I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, is a really big thing for us. Um, the other thing was when the pandemic hit, see that now we've, we've dated the podcast and we're in the yep. d- oh, yeah. pandemic period, right? Mm-hmm. So coming on to a year of it, um, one of the things that, you know, Bob's always about innovation and what can we do. And, and when it hit and we're going, we had to like stop production and then we had to stop production in Tecate because we have a factory there that does uh-huh. all the GS minis and the, and the baby tailors and mm. it, a big part of our business. He was like, okay, we need to think quick and come up with a guitar that we can make that's inexpensive, but American made because yeah. we have American made in the ones made in Mexico. So the American made El Cajon guitars are, are real expensive, yeah. glossy guitars. And he, he went, we need to find a way to make a guitar that's, you know, $1,500, $1,800, which I know sounds like a lot, but that's inexpensive for a really nice made guitar because right. they're usually $3,500, right. $3,000. So <clears throat> he came up with the American Dream, which was based on the... Um, the shop that he incurred. Oh, the original. Like, original name yeah. of, of it came up with the American Dream and has obviously other meanings for it too and came up with that. Um, the biggest thing, the biggest news that you may have heard or not is that it became a, a an employee-owned company. Yes. That's a really wild, awesome thing. Oh, it's it was very emotional because we found out the week after we got back from break that Bob and Kurt, there was this mandatory meeting oh. and come oh, online. God. And Everyone's thinking we're canned. It's over. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. Out Especially of nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. And they get on and they, they're doing this live stream and, and they're talking and they're kind of telling their history. And, and, um, it was emotion. You could see the emotion for them to kind of, they spent seven years putting this together because hmm. Bob has two daughters uh, that, really uh, they don't want anything to do with the, they're not they don't want anything to do with the business kurt he doesn't have any children they didn't want to have a private equity come mm-hmm. in and destroy it after they're gone cuz they cuz i mean anyone could have hey let's cash out let's go to the islands and mm-hmm. see you later suckers right. right but they care they really and cared about the employees that were going to be left in the future employees in the future of wow. the brand of taylor they said how do we and, and there have been plenty, plenty of other manufacturers knocking on the door to go like, hey, we would love to buy Taylor. Right. You know? And they knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. So they kind of went, how do we make this our employees? You know, um, I feel like I would have been like, what does that mean? <laughs> I would have been, everyone would be crying. I'd be like, is this good for us or bad yeah. for us? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, what, what does that truly mean? So, like, can you explain that? Yeah. So basically an ESOP, and it's like one of those things, someone explains it to you and you go, yeah, I get it. And then, 10 minutes later, you're like, what, what, what was that again? <laughs> I just forgot what that was. But an ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Program, I'll probably mess that up too, but anyway, it's what it does, it's, it's basically a pension. And so all, it's it's shares of stock, oh, quote unquote, yeah. that's only, you can't trade it, you can't sell it, you can't, you get, you get X amount depending on how long you've been there and what you make. And then, then it's over when you leave or retire, you get, and if you depending, it's six years to fully vest. And after that, you, um, you get paid out in, uh, increments of five years. 
Oh my gosh, so I it's love like this a pension, for you. Like, it's like it a little pension. So happy. Yeah, right? I so love it's, that. And it does nothing with a 401k, and they really felt like this is a way to help our employees have a little, you know, because they know how hard it is to get ahead or right. you know, this and that. And if we can help with a little extra, you know, they, they, and like I said, it was, and I talked to both Bob and Kurt afterwards thanking them, and it was emotional. It was like that meant a lot to them. Yeah. And then you have people that are more invested in the company, I think. Yeah, and the, which is interesting because that's the thing I brought up with them. I said, you know what? And I think it's true with a lot of the Taylor employees is that I didn't need that because I already have that passion and care mm-hmm. when I for my job yeah. that when I come into work. But what it did is it it's kind of gave me that little extra spring in my step. Yeah. You know, that little extra little, hey, I'm a part-time I'm a part owner of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, yeah, yeah. And you take and you take your job more seriously on how how to come up with new ideas, how to make things better, how to work f- like harder. Harder and, and make also something. make you think outside your world like a decision I make or do f- right now, how do, how's that going to affect finance or affect you know yeah, repair or the where other departments like now we're all working together to kind of do this right so that's amazing you know before i just thought you were the director of artists and entertainment relations but now that i know you're an owner i would like to talk about getting that free guitar (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh we're going full circle now don't listen to him if he makes you feel used you tell me and i will smack him across well before he was just like a guy but now he's like the owner of taylor guitars here in this room with us he can pull some strings. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, hey. The puns, the oh. puns. Okay, where can people find you as a human if they're interested in you? <laughs> Don't tell us your address. That's, right. That's not what we're no, saying. Are you well, on, not are on you, the pickleball courts. Are you on TikTok yet? Uh, you know what's funny? I did start because I've been fo- I'm trying to understand it. Because sure. with my job, is the great thing about my job is it keeps me like trying to keep stay listening young, to me, stay sure, young, sure. listening sure. to music. Like my kids, I'm when I'm in the car, it's like, okay, let me hear what you're listening to. And um in trying to understand TikTok, you know, not that I'm gonna do a TikTok dance or anything. <laughs> oh, come on. Sure you do, that, not, although, you do that red silhouette dance, the one well, where oh, there. Yeah. No, maybe because my daughter was trying to get my wife and I to go like, Come on, da- let's do a dance on there and I'd try these little and I'd go like, Okay, I'm not doing that. But the that. music is always, Oh no, yeah. oh no, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you look at Bo dropping the yeah. TikTok. Oh, knowledge. I know, I know TikTok. Come oh, on. Yeah, oh my come gosh, on. I love it. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I've, I've, I'm on Instagram under Watonga. Okay. Because that's a I don't know. I started doing that because that was a name my brothers. And is that like I, Watonga forever? Is that is Watonga? That like? It's well, we used to like you know King of the Hill. You know, King, we'd throw each other. Whoever would throw each other off the we'd try to throw each other off the bed. <laughs> right, and whoever remained. Was King Watonga. That's so cute. So, so when I talk to my, you know, they still call me Watonga or Tongi for short. That's amazing. I love that. So that kind of stuck. Yeah. And then, then, I, then later I, I go, this kind of, I don't know if this is good because they don't know who, that's Watonga. <laughs> but it's not like I'm trying to like put out a. That sounds like a band. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Maybe that's. Maybe uh, your new band is King Watonga. You know, that's good. Uh, you know what? I'm. 
I think this could be the COVID ban. I think I'm thinking <laughs> King about Watanda, it. King, King Watanga. Is it easy or hard to say? King say Watanda it. and the truck stop no, hookers. Wa- Watanga. That's my new band. Watanga. Watanga. W- Watanga. It's yeah. a Watanga and twister. The, and the truck stop hookers? Is that what you yep. said? I think that'd be a good band. <laughs> oh, we just made your whole band. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I Thanks. just made you a logo, actually. We have t-shirts. It's just your face with <laughs> air a oxygen and air supply. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new business. We, we're part owners, all three of us. Employee owned. Employee owned. Well, Tim, you're the best. I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks for being here. for calling me. Yes, of course. We'll and that's see you it. Soon. That's all, all right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so cute. Oh. You're so great. Oh, thank you. That was You're fun. A great that felt so nice. Tim is so cool and sweet. Comfy. I know. It's comfy in this. I- in this little sleeping bag. Tim is a good example that we can do somewhat G-rated episodes and still have so much fun. You know, he, I can tell he's uh, one of those guys that I could sit around and have uh, a glass of scotch yes. in front of a fire and talk for like days about like interesting things that have happened to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like talking to him. Super nice guy. I could sit around with both of you guys for like two and a half hours and yeah. then I have to go like pick up something. I would say an hour. I would say an hour. An I don't hour. think you have more than an hour in you. <laughs> I've seen you. I've well, seen you. that's perfect because now I feel tired. No, no, just kidding. Now I feel excited. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. Yes, you're awesome. Yeah. And infectious smile and laugh. I know his little his eyes tell a story, a mm, twinkly story. Mm-hmm. I think we're both in love with him. I mean, you more than I. There's only been two guests that I haven't walked away completely in love with. You know, I'll I don't, let you guys guess who that was. I were. don't often make these jokes, uh, but after we recorded with him, I was like, uh, "So can I get that uh, that guitar deal? Can I get that deal I on know. a guitar? I don't even play guitar. So I don't awkward. even give a shit. But I didn't make it." I didn't no, make it, it was really. silly. I made it silly. It was very silly. Yeah. 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 He I'm said, a- "He said, yeah, I'll get you that guitar and made a joke." And I said, "Well, until you do, I'll just be over here playing this extremely tiny violin." <laughs> well, he liked that. He, he liked that. I also thought it was funny that after we went through and you know walked through, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see everyone." It's like it really is like going back to college. And then I've been gone for so long that it's all new people working there. <laughs> so like no one, because yeah. I remember when I worked there, people would come up to me and be like. I worked there here back in the day, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a new regime, bitch. Like, no one cares now. Yeah. And so now I'm that person. Meryl who? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. what a good time! Thank you, Belly Up, for letting us crash your party. Yeah, and check up, check out all the things they're going to start doing concerts again. I Let's think hope so. soon. Yeah, and in the meantime, Belly Up Live is a place that they have a lot of recorded music, yeah. and you can listen to some of my own podcasts there. They hey. still have that up, I think. Hey. I hope, and uh, <laughs> they have cool Belly Up shirts and lots of merch. So we love you, Belly Up. Yes. Until next time, thanks so much for being here, and goodbye. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB, and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Meryl on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. Good night, kids. Sleep tight.